Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! <laughs> Welcome back! <laughs> hello! Hello, uh, friends. <laughs> hello, yeah, hello. Hello, podcast friends. Uh, well, thank you for listeners. bringing us to your ears, your <laughs> listeners. Thank you so much. Um, we are excited to be back. Um, before we jump into this episode, I just want to remind you, if you can, please go on to Apple, um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and yeah. rate and review us. Um, I haven't seen a boost in those either, the numbers. I'd like to see some higher can numbers. Can I review us? Is that too sad? Yes, you can. I Is think I like have, I think I've at least review. Who cares? Okay, great. Yeah. I just cares? want to get that Who algorithm. Gives a fucking shit? And get more people. I think today, actually, somebody reached out via Instagram. Was like, I can't believe I like they were so happy they discovered this. And Yay. I was like, you're discovering it now, not because yeah. it's their fault. I'm happy you discover it anytime, but it's up to you, listeners, to, to rate shove and review. us into people's faces. Yes, get us out there. <laughs> um, but however, we love you guys returning to the podcast each week with us. We really appreciate it. Um, and that said. We're jumping right into our first segment of this episode. Oh, yeah, baby. With a little, <laughs> oh boy, email. <laughs> Let me pull this. We those. gotta get a jingle just for that. I oh, think. we should get a jingle. Yeah. If anybody wants to try to like wow, give us wow. a jingle, please do. Yeah, real or a heavy metal, a metal, a metal jingle. Is there sweet. a metal jingle? Uh, sure. There's jingles be seem one. like such a genre of their own, but could it be metal? Yeah. I, yeah. You could do a metal cover of a. I don't know. A metal cover of a jingle. Of a jingle, yeah. Metal jingles. Yeah. Great. I love it. <laughs> um, great. So our first email is a little further back, but that's all right. We're catching up on emails. This is from Drew, who has emailed us prior. Um, I do believe. If not, this is his first email. This is Drew Campbell. Hope you don't care that I shared your full name. <laughs> you could bleep it out, I guess. If he requests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he won't know until it comes up. True. Uh, and his email address is D. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give that up. Okay. So he says, hey, crappers. We now have <laughs> the name of the crappers. No, don't start that. <laughs> I know. Don't get that ball rolling. <laughs> We're not crappers. Uh, <laughs> He says, in regard to your discussion about the differences between John Byrne's scripting style and Mignolo's, I got to say that the thing that strikes me as the biggest difference is that Byrne uses a lot of internal monologue narration, whereas Mike doesn't use it at all. In general, oh, I don't yeah. have... Yeah, it, pretty straightforward, It's so right? obvious, but it, I, it needed to be pointed out to me. Yes, it's a great... I appreciate you, Drew. Yes, thank you, Drew. It's a... Great observation. He says, in general, I don't have a problem with that kind of narration in a comic, but in the Hellboy comics, I much prefer Mike's style. Every time I read Seed of Destruction, it feels a little jarring to read the inner monologue narrations. As for the wordy dialogue in Wake the Devil, you guys may be right about Mike being a little unsure of himself in regard to accepting. Um, I think it was actually John Byrne who told him something like, you can do this yourself. You don't need me to. You don't need me to script for you, and convinced him to give it a shot. Either way, Mike's scripting has definitely evolved along with his art into more of a minimalist style. He's really become a master at creating quiet moments and letting the art set the mood and tell the story. One hundred percent true. That's interesting that he would be told that 
you know, it seems to me like every, in all of his little descriptions, he, not all of them, but every now and then he'll reference like, oh, my editor told me, suggested this or like, you know, another artist suggested that. Like, it seems like he's very open to uh, like, while his style is so defined, it seems like he's very open and like listening to other people when it comes to advice about how to do it better, maybe, or mm -hmm. I don't know. It's cool. It's just cool. He must be like evolving as a artist all the time. I agree. And I think he still is. And he's very self-deprecating. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. there recently was a list that just got brought out. It might be sci-fi.com. I'll yeah. send it your way, Kate, where they interview him. I'm surprised this isn't a segment of more Mignola, but unless yeah. it comes up later, but there's this article where he, they go, they interview him about his like creepiest covers. It's okay. I think, I think the headline is a little deceiving. It just feels like they just generally are talking about because some of the covers I don't find that creepy. I find yeah, them just, just good Mignola and they're just covers. Yeah. But like, I think the first one out the gate, he's like, this one's terrible. He just says terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> his response to his own cover is it's terrible. It was like for a Batman. I'm sure it's um, incredible. Yeah. I was like, it's funny. Yeah. That he's that way. So I think you're, <laughs> if it's so bad, give it to me for free. Yeah. Give it all. I'll take it. We will have it. <laughs> Um, and he says, and then he continues, I believe the women of Thessaly is a reference to witches. He's right about that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently they were some female astrologers who knew how to predict cycles of the moon and people thought they were using sorcery to make the moon disappear. Damn, he said, dude. check out this Wikipedia link for more info. I can send that to That's your That's cool. Way. I do want to read that. Yeah, I will send it. You're the big... Man, historically just women aren't allowed to do shit. They're mm -hmm. just trying to figure out the cycles of the moon... Help everybody out. <laughs> yeah. Probably want to tell you about tides. I don't know. And people are like, those witches are making the moon go away. I hate them. <laughs> witches. Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. Women are treated terribly <laughs> throughout history. Yay. I would turn into a bird if I could. Eat would, all of you. I would support it. <laughs> don't eat me. Okay. <laughs> There'll be a few exceptions. <laughs> Great. Few. You and too, Drew. You're safe. You're you're good, Drew. He <laughs> says, I do not have one I do have one correction to make. Mark, this was the one where I was like a little like, I don't remember saying this, but that's okay. Uh oh. He says, Mark, every now and then you refer to Hellboy's iron hand. It seems like you may be saying it in kind of kind of unconsciously. Anyway, my point is that Hellboy's right hand is made of stone. That oh. will be made specifically apparent a little later on down the line, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention. Uh he's probably right. I don't Yeah. Specifically, I guess remember calling it iron? Ago yeah, now. I try to tend to just call it right his right hand of doom instead yeah. of any sort of material. Because even if it's stone, and like he's right, maybe the later I down guess the it line, looks like cracked stone and stuff. Yeah, too. it looks like stone. I've always thought it was like a stone, but I feel like it's otherworldly stone. It's not like yeah, it's huh. like stronger than your, yeah. Yeah, it's not like brittle. So sorry, Drew. <laughs> 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 hey man, like I said, we we opened ourselves up to being corrected and like <laughs> we did, we yeah. did. It's okay. We we appreciate it. We don't mind it. Yeah, we're just and, kidding around, <laughs> kidding around, getting some guff. And then he says, "Oh, and congratulations on the engagement, Kate. Thank you. Sounds like it was a really fun and sweet proposal. Catch you fun. guys next time. Yeah, thanks, Drew. <laughs> I'm glad we finally got to address your email. Yeah, sorry, it was a little late. <laughs> yeah. But it's a balance of a lot of things. Yeah, it's okay. Um, great. Okay. And he also sent an email sharing a timeline that was helpful. Hell yeah. It's from the Hellboy, hellboy.wikia.com, which is very cool. Um, 
I weirdly, it's very helpful. I prefer to go through and just do the dates myself. Yeah. They have a cool graph, but it got me a little confused. I love it. graphs though. You got to forward me. I, I love a good I will, link. I'll show it to you. you you'll definitely like it. You will <laughs> definitely Please do. like it. Uh, but as we continue through the email scape, <laughs> that is tonight. Uh, our next email is from Jonathan Kreitz. We know him. Hey man. He's got a lot of bullet points. Let's get through these. All right, great. <laughs> these, I gotta, we gotta, these, he's organized. These are a lot of emails we're going to try to catch up it's on cool. tonight. It's I cool. love it. Um, he says, Kate and MDC, not much to see on these short stories other than that they are, are so much fun. He says, the corpse. Totally agree. Mignola's economy of storytelling is so good. Great mix of creepiness and horror and slightly poignant ending. Also, another small hit at Hellboy's true nature. Cool. Oh. He says, the Iron Shoes, great Hellboy dialogue in the story. Yeah. And then he says, however, plenty to say about the Wake the Devil Part 1. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) He says, casting on the film, uh, I was stoked for Daniel Day Kim solely because I loved him from Lost, which is probably the reaction the producers were going for. Yeah. Very good. Um, The greater Mignolaverse, I'd love you all to roll into the BPRD and all that stuff. And it's a much more serialized story. Hey, buddy. We already, we did, we agreed to. I'm so excited. So you're getting your wish. I'm very excited, yeah. We've only touched on our first story just last week. I so. want to like start reading, I mean, I don't want to read the head kind of, it's sort of like. You can read whatever you want. That's true. Podcast is not. Yeah, what does it matter? You know. The podcast has a structure, but doesn't shit. mean your life has to be structured that That's way. That's right. You can read whenever you want. Uh, and then he says, I've never read the novels, but I'd love to. I've only read one. It was fun. I started cool. to reread it recently. Just to get ready for maybe a little book report. Sweet. Uh, he says, thanks for the heads up of uh, the 25th anniversary Comic-Con panel. I'll have to check it out. I hope you got to check that out if you did. Um, and he says, now to the story proper. The Dracula talk reminds me to try and check this out. He sent me something that we got wrong on a previous episode. He just had a link to Amazon to buy the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula graphic novel that Mignola did. Which I did not. I thought it was Ooh. a new release that they like, but I guess it was a republication. So I can send that to you to Kate. It's he, again, he tells us it's Mignolo's adaptation of the Coppola Dracula film written by Roy Thomas himself, a comics legend. Never read the, read this before, and it's, he's stoked to try it. So that's very cool. He says Mignolo's storytelling is so good in these first through first through pages. He barely needs dialogue or captions. Kirby Crack, even though there's a lot of captions at the beginning of Wake the Devil, because yeah. that's what he's not talking about. But there, but I do agree. There's some, there, I mean, there is a lot of like moments he gets through a lot fast, like the Nazi stuff, the setting up of the Nazi dying that gets the BPRD. So yeah. I think you're totally, he's right about that. Yeah. And then he says, there's a lot of dialogue and catch up here, but that is how comics used to be, especially pre ambiguous internet. Uh, pre oh, what is that word? I'm 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 reading badly. Let's see. Ambiguous pre ambiguous. Oh my god! I'm gonna. <laughs> I say I'm gonna edit this out, but will I? Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, I had to find it. What does there. ubiquitous mean? Uh, like everywhere. Yeah, that's right. Thank it's you. Like all over the place. <sighs> uh, they just lost trust in Yo, me. Yo, this Bram Stoker's Dracula looks so cool too, by the way. And the hardcover's only like 1950. I'm about to put this in my cart. Put it in your cart. <laughs> so I can borrow it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, then he says, Kirby Crackle is great comic book shorthand. 
Mignola also follows in Kirby's footsteps by drawing fantastic and strange machinery. Yeah. Very true. Totally. And he says, there's a lot of dialogue and catch up here. I already said this. Um, I guess I went backwards and missed the line. So then more co- modern comics have been using first page summary slash recaps and, recaps and single issues to help get around this. That happens a lot. Yeah. Um, especially in the Marvel. If you read Marvel, they catch you up really fast to avoid like a lot of captions through of catch up through the actual issue. Yeah. Just, just smarter. for the flow of it. Definitely. Um, he says League of Extraordinary Gentlemen would be a great read to parallel with Hellboy. I would agree. It's a really fun read. I, I like haven't both. read it. My sister read it and liked it. I I'm remember. a huge fan of them. I gotta read it. You're welcome to borrow them anytime. I gotta read that and like Swamp Thing and yeah, I know. I got a pile up. List. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can't. I can't read ahead Hellboy. I got, I got other shit to read. Uh, he says I agree. The team dynamic is fun. Hellboy is just one of the guys. I always considered the Tiger. To be a poem about Lucifer, but it can easily be applied in this story. That poem that um, Elsa, I believe, is reciting. Yeah. About her lover. And Hellboy's rocket escape escapade is high comedy. Very good. Yeah, very slapstick and perfect. Wile E. Coyote. Yes. Looney Tunes for sure. (laughs) Sometimes I don't care for flashbacks, but Mignola uses them to good effect here. I would agree. Yeah. You got new information. You didn't repeat information. You got new information. Totally. And then he says, whoa, cool pickup, Kate, that the dragon's prison looks like a swastika. So he said that he wanted to say that was a cool pickup. (laughs) And the part with the the Hecate, I think Hyperborea is the realm. Hyperborea? Borea? Hyperborea? Hyperborea? Is the realm all the Conan stories take place in, which I'm sure some is something Mignola's into as well. Cool. Yeah, that's a really cool thing to call. That's I think that's something that uh, you can definitely Google, Kate. Oh man, you know <laughs> you're I gonna will. go Google crazy. You know I'm googling as we speak. <laughs> but it's cool that all the Conan stories take place in, which I'm sure is something Mignola is into as well. I totally, yeah. I can see him being into those old stories for sure. And he says, the haunted village and the vampires make this feel like a Hammer Dracula movie. I don't know what a Hammer Dracula movie is. Do you know what that is or what he's referencing there? As you look that up, he does thank us for the show again for the show. That's Jonathan. Um, we have a couple more emails from you in a moment. So I'll plug your stuff in just a short moment. Cool. Looks like, oh, Hammer Film Productions is a British film company based in London. Oh. So it looks like they have like their own line of Dracula films that look pretty sweet. Right. I love it. Damn, dude. That's super cool. Jonathan taking Jonathan. us to school. Yeah, you now really did. Now we got did. stuff to do. All right. Next email. <laughs> we got Drew again. It's going to be a Drew and Jonathan night. Because we're going through our emails with Wake the Devil part two and three. Hell yeah. So let's see what Hell let's first yeah. see what Drew's got to tell us. Once again, calling us crappers. Drew, <laughs> no. <laughs> <Drew, no. laughs> Please. Uh, he says, I enjoyed the episode as usual. I thought your theory that Rasputin is orchestrating everything from the Zinko malfunctions to leading Liz into the temptation of trying to give up her power was very interesting. I don't think I'd thought of it in that way before. And yeah, things got pretty grim in these chapters. I love the way Mignola uses characters from real mythology and folklore and even history and molds them to fit his story without changing the essence of the characters. Yeah. 
Good stuff. For real. That's, yeah. He's so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And his brain just seems to work that in with seamlessly. Yeah. Just his. So yeah, I think he just clearly loves it. He's like a fan of folklore and it's it shows and totally the stories. Yeah, very much. He says, as a follow up to the listener who wrote in with some background to John Byrne, I thought you and the listeners might be interested to know that during his run on Superman, he wrote a miniseries published in eight, 1987 to 1988 called World of Krypton that dealt with the situation that led up to the destruction of Krypton that was drawn by none other than Mike Mignola. That's something to definitely check out and read. And he says the miniseries was collected along and with some related Superman stories and various other work Mike did for DC in the recent collection, the DC Universe by Mike Mignola. Definitely Weird. think we're gonna have to like do a special episode at some point about his work, other work outside of Hellboy. Yeah. He says, I also figured I'll let you know that the fossil you were trying to think of is called a trilobite. And I forgot that we were. Oh yeah, that's right. The description like of whatever it was we were trying to talk about when we were going through, and I think we should like try. I don't even know what we said. Now. I'm sure we were just blubbering <laughs> through some. Uh, <laughs> but yes, some you're right. vague memory of something, and yeah, <laughs> thank you, Drew. Uh, and then he says, "Oh, and congratulations to MDC on being the proud owner of Seed of Destruction number two. Yeah, to Kate, <laughs> that's an awesome gift, Kate." I myself recently acquired the original issues of Seed of Destruction and Wake the Devil, and they are truly beautiful. You might have been betting against me on eBay, dude. Oh, no. You, you, you at least twice beat out Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the competition. And he says, with back issues, trades, library editions, omnibuses, etc., I now own these stories in something like four or five different formats, but I have no regrets. Till mm, next time, Drew cool. Campbell. Oh, and he quickly, this is really cool. He he quickly followed up with this email and he said, just got to the end of the episode because he must have been so inspired. He didn't finish it. But then he got to the end of the episode and he said, you'll probably have other people telling you this, which he's right. He did, we did. But the Dracula graphic novel was published at the time the movie came out. Oh, cool. If we haven't addressed this already, I feel like we did on Mike, but yeah, I was wrong with that information. It was first released by Topps Comics as four issues. Very funny that it's Topps, by the way. Yeah. Each bagged with a collectible card featuring art by Mike. That's cool. That's pretty sick. I want that. <laughs> and then, but Mike Not had those. actually done some design work for the movie as well. That's very cool to know that really? he did that. I, didn't I, didn't, know that. I did not know that either. The original comics were in color, but this new edition is black and white. Huh. That's cool. I wonder why you would go back to black and white after the color. Because I feel like... To make it moody or something? To be like... This yeah. Is, not that I... To really highlight his like noirness or something? Right. I guess so. But I haven't read it, so I can't speak for the art on its own. It's like Hellboy. I've seen Hellboy without color. Yeah. It's still good. Oh, yeah. But man, I like it in its complete Me form. Me too. Because I think it's not, it's not like slamming you in the face. It's not like neon crazy colors or something. Yeah, it's very subdued but and perfect. I don't know. I'm, I, it does make me curious. I mean, yeah, I guess totally. it just wants you to buy a new version. They always have different versions. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked when I was a kid to get black and white. Like if, I, if there were ever like comics that were like the sketchbook version or whatever, and uh -huh. it would have like the just the rough pencils, which occasionally like Marvel comics would do a lot of, or like. Those were my favorite because you could trace them easily. Oh, like, really? Yeah, you could draw like you could like put it up against a window and kind of be able to like put a piece of paper on it or something like that. Oh, that's just great. Trace them, yeah, just to draw it. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. To cheat. <laughs> we all cheated at some yeah. point. 
all the drawing. I mean, I never, I did. I remember the thing we had these packets. Did you have those packets growing up with the tracers where it was like sort of caricatures of people and you could put different bodies on them and stuff? No. There was this weird thing we had growing up where it was like, so they had various bodies and you just have tracing paper and you draw whatever it is and then you choose a head, you choose glasses if you want, like different items cut and paste. Yeah, like you could put like this nose on this set of eyes. You make your own characters through all of that. But it was like a packet that they would like print out. So it was like something your parents would print out on like out of their own printer and they'd have it. Yeah. I guess that was a lot of fun. That'd be a fun thing to do for like classic comic book stuff like styles like yeah. get like all the Kirby characters like deconstruct them and then like have a collection then you could just You're like this is make, everybody's build your own chin ca- yeah but then <laughs> build your own character through them yeah that'd be cool that would be cool you hear that Damn. <laughs> somebody should make that <laughs> that's um, cool and he says and Kate's suggestion to watch Frankenstein is very appropriate because Mike has said that the Bride of Frankenstein is his favorite movie. Oh, cool. I still cool. have to watch The Bride of Frankenstein. I haven't watched it. I need it. to watch both. Yeah. I heard Bride is better than Frankenstein. I've heard it's I've really heard. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he said he actually did the art for a poster for it a couple of years back, and it's beautiful. Um, later, and then he says, P.S., I forgot to say that I love the reference that Don Hertzfeld's rejected. His stuff is freaking hilarious. I agree. <laughs> and he also sent this awesome, the attachment um, is the Bride of Frankenstein cover he, Mignola did. That's really cool. such a cool everybody. If you don't have this, um, I will try to remember to post it online. Uh, but it's a very cool. It's like a really like disgusting monster in the very far back with it. Looks yeah, like, like a body on, her, on yeah, her skin. Her muscle and like sinew and yeah, flesh is all showing. And then the bride and then Frankenstein. Like anatomical. Flowers. It makes sense, I guess, for the theme of the thing. Yeah, it's very cool. Very Mignola. This is fucking neat. It's very awesome. Yeah. It makes me, I got to watch these classic movies this October. Dude, it makes me want to like buy a special edition Blu-ray or something. I hate, I can't They always have those universal collections where you can get like all. All of them. I should just do that. I hate spending like money on, well, I don't hate it. I wish I could just had more space to have like more like, you know. Yeah, I get it. Like actual tangible media mm-hmm. it's it's nice yeah um <sighs> yeah. hey i recently, I don't have money or time to or space I, every time to... i buy a comic book i'm like hey, when is this <laughs> gonna be a breaking point when is the breaking point yeah when am i a hoarder <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh also great continuing on to this wake the devil part two this is once again jonathan kreitz who's um Emailing us. He says, Kate in MDC, thanks so much for reading my email. Don't worry, I sent more. LOL. We love them. (laughs) We love them. And he says, a few thoughts on part two of Wake the Devil. Between the crash, the first fight, and now the witches, Hellboy's being put through the grinder. Yeah. Yeah, he he gets thrown around. Yeah. Which I started to remember what actually occurs by the end of Conquer Worm that's coming up in the next uh, big storyline. It's like, yeah, a lot of what he has to deal with in these first two sort of definitely leads up to that. Hint, hint. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I, agree. <laughs> I agree with the talk on Mignola's use of silhouette. It is borderline impressionistic. 
And he says, not trilogodites or whatever we said. Y'all are thinking of trilobites. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Everybody knows this shit except for I know. Like, well, I think they fucking are the you comfort guys are of paleontologists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just I do kidding. Think, We're just two dummies. <laughs> I do think there's so many smarter people out there that just don't have the personality that I need to be heard. <laughs> and then, They're just smartly, like, quietly knowing things. Yeah, and I'm like... And we're like, blah, blah, blah. Listen like, to me. I got yeah, nothing right. smart to say. Yeah. <laughs> my brain is rattling around in my skull. <laughs> exactly. Listen to the echoes of that. It's <laughs> very haunting, that thought. Uh, it is what it is. It is. You know? Uh, he says the Hecate <laughs> angle is an interesting take on vampire lore. Yeah, it's a very cool different take for, for sure. vampires and especially what we're used to in pop culture. He says Rasputin Ilsa's um conversation is very illuminating and kind of sad. Uh Mignola definitely gives Rasputin some Jesus poses here. Mm-hmm. I could have called that out. Also very cool to see the BPRD working in teams. Yeah, it's always cool to see that higher organization of the what Hellboy is part of. He says, the Dracula character you're thinking of is Rinfeld. Yes. Played by Tom Waits in the Coppola film. I always forget he is right that it's Tom Waits. Cool. Plays it in the Bra- and Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, and it's Rinfeld. Yes. Rinfeld is the guy. That Thank you for that reference because that's a really good character in the book. And he's sort of, and he's very, I think, well made fun of too. And also Dracula dead and loving it. Uh, you know Leslie Nelson. He's, he looks cool. They put him in like an insane asylum and and stuff. And usually oh, yeah, it's pretty neat. neat in the movie. Not that I love that Dracula movie. It's very flawed. That's okay. But it's I mean, enjoyable. it's cool. It makes sense to make Tom Waits this person. Totally. But it's funny because I didn't Tom know Waits. Tom Waits was the time when that movie came out. And he's so yeah. like, it's just when I got older, I just became more aware of his music. And him then showing up in movies. And then you look back, he's like, oh, they've been doing that for a while with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's like him in the Red Hot Chili Peppers sometimes. You oh, see yeah. Fla- yeah. Or Flea. Flea Flea's Flea's a bunch of stuff. Of yeah. Stuff that you like. like what are you like, doing what? here? <laughs> uh, he says, I agree with y'all. That is so cool that everyone expects Hellboy to fulfill his destiny, but he has the integrity to reject it. Something about Hellboy has a ring of Superman, son from another world, Raised by people of Earth to be one of us, defends his adoptive home. Totally. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's just the reverse. He didn't. He's like a much cooler Superman. <laughs> I like Superman. I like Superman, but too. I also think Hellboy's cooler. <laughs> I mean, Hellboy is cooler. He's way dude. cooler. <laughs> You're never gonna. You know. I do like Superman, though. I know. I guess it's like easy to rag on Superman. Yeah, I think that's half his charm is that he's easy to rag on. Yeah. Um, but Hellboy, it's funny. Superman fell from the sky. Hellboy came from fucking down deep. Yeah. He came from another dimension, but darker. Yeah. It's very reverse and cool. Yeah. It is. That's a great observation, though, to, to do the comparison. Yeah. Um, And it is because, and he's right, it's because, like, Superman was raised by the Clarks, who were very good people, and then luckily Hellboy was raised by Broom, who was actually a good guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that could have gone both Kents, ways. could have gone horrible. I think you said the Clarks. Oh, the Kents. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Listen, yeah, I just don't want to. Can't wait for I, the emails. Yeah. <laughs> Drew already email started here. a draft as soon I as just, you said that. I just quickly 
when Clark can't then stop. Of course, I, I know exactly <laughs> what, what happened. And if this was just a conversation between us, I'd be like, he meant can't, and that would be the end of it. My but listeners, I, just, whoa, I, I know that the sharp come. ears are listening. For, <laughs> I think my email is already going off right now. This isn't up, even published. Yeah, dude. <laughs> they could just sense it. They just yeah. shot up in their beds in a cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, MDC said something fucking wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it happens more than you know. Hey, man. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Hell yeah. Hell He's, yeah. He says, love the panel of her falling apart in the sunlight. Yeah, one of the best, coolest, unique pieces of art in the Mignola It's so, so good. Stories. And he says, I wondered if the failure of the Zinko stuff was happening happening as a jinx, like something out of Harry Potter. Jinx, does that mean like uh, with, I think he's implying, I don't know Harry Potter well enough. Do you? I think he's thinking maybe that like, what's his, what's the main villain? Uh, Voldemort. Voldemort. Voldemort like. Oh, like you he, can't say his name and then. Yeah. Or like, like he had things that were functioning that were part of him that functioned. So when he goes away, they go away. Is that what he's sort of getting at? I mean, I don't know what he means. Like a jinx and yeah, I'll, I mean, heck Harry email Potter. us again and tell us. Cause I don't know Harry Potter. Well, I mean, never maybe it's like, maybe it's, but I'm, I'm thinking like, maybe it's like a, he's wondering if it's maybe some sort of coincidence or something. Okay. I feel like, I feel like it's shown so frequently and Zinko's such a puppet of evil in that issue that like, I feel like it's more than coincidence. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know. Or, like, jinx. J-I-N-X. Like, I don't know what that is from Harry Potter. I guess just like a spell, like a, not a like spell. a curse, not like a full blown mm-hmm. like curse or something, but like something like some sort of so little, it's more purposeful, some sort of little devious spell to make yeah. bad stuff happen. He's probably, I bet there is. If I'd read Harry Potter, I could possibly agree. I don't remember a specific thing being called a jinx. Jelly leg jinx. Dude, I know too much about Harry Potter. <laughs> a lot of people do. Never, <laughs> yeah, never right. got into it. Yeah, that's fine. Steer away. <laughs> We're too old now. <laughs> uh, it says, great cliffhanger with Hellboy on the crossroads. I agree with that. Yeah. It says, hello, great minds think alike. I just wrote previously about the Mignola Dracula adaptation. LOL. The Universal Monsters films are great. The Dracula in Spanish version is also thought by... Thought by some to be better. I've heard that. that That's they act, cool. Because they used to do the, the two versions. That's the one where we were talking about, like at night, they would shoot the Spanish version. Yeah. People say that one might even be better. Damn, dude. I got a lot of like classic monster stuff to catch up I know. Don't I'm making ki- a don't, list, Don't guys. kill yourself doing it, trying to do it all. He says, thanks again. Cool. So Awesome. Still, guys, more emails. Sweet. Uh I hope your listeners are loving this because we are. It's so fun to hear from you. Got two more emails. They just finished us out on our emails that were sent in about Wake the Devil Part 3. First up, Jonathan again. Hey, man. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, I, you want to hang out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'd happily hang out yeah. with you, Jonathan. You're cool. I don't know what state he lives in or whatever. Even. I don't know any of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised well, when I find Well, the from Texas, right? Yeah, Texas. Yeah, we we have a friend in the in the podcast friend zone. I will call it <laughs> podcast friend zone. Perfect. Uh, that's from like in Japan. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's insane. Because I'm like, hey man, timing wise, it's like way off. Yeah, but well, that's great. So whenever, yeah. And it says Kate and MDC. Thanks again for reading my emails. 
Oh, then you're going to love this episode. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Heavy appearance by Jonathan in this episode. Uh, he says, my thoughts on Wake the Devil Part 3. Cool guest. I'll have to check out Jason's projects. Definitely. Yeah, man. Jason Newman's a very su- super cool guy. Super smart. He's, again, he's like an encyclopedia to this stuff. Yeah, he like worked in comic books for a long time and like... And now he's getting back into it. He's, yeah. He has science coming out soon. And he has like YouTube video. He's like kind of YouTube famous that I didn't realize like when I initially started working with him, but it's like, Oh, you've got like a bunch of, yeah, he's got like a bunch of videos just talking about superheroes and, you know, kind of like going into it like this a little bit. He loves Superman though. He's like, he does. Yeah. We kind of, we, we, we had a little, our friendship sort of sparked. (laughs) Um, But he is great. You should all, including uh, Jonathan, everybody check him out. He's cool guy. Good stuff. He's putting out there. And yeah. And he won't mess up about stuff like I do. <laughs> hey, don't be too hard on yourself. Too I know late. you read a lot of emails in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Chipping away at your self-esteem. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> very much. It says, ooh, I love Starman. Love it. There's a trade of the Hellboy crossovers. He's right. And I bought it already. He sent us a link. Oh, I bought sweet. it specifically because we are going to at some point cover the Batman Starman Hellboy. We got it lined up. We have a special guest for it, but I'm not going to tell you who because you're going to have to come back and oh, find out. Yeah. Uh, but LOL, thanks for reading my email again. Shadows of the Empire was a dry run for the prequels. Basically a prequel marketing campaign, novel, video game, action figures, play sets, comic adaptation, score, etc., soundtrack, etc. without a film. Totally makes sense, that being what it was. Yeah. Um, trying to get people into the back into the idea of like their Star Wars still exists. So that makes sense. Cool. Your recap confirms the Hellboy is basically a wrecking ball when it comes to these stories. They point him at the problem and he just keeps going. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it as a wrecking ball. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like not not so like juggernauty, but like yeah. A wrecking ball because he like swings backwards sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or you put, or an enemy will hit him a certain way, but he's just gonna swing yeah, right he's back. Just gonna bounce <laughs> right back. Yeah, that's cool. That is very good. And then again, Mignola is almost impressionistic in his style. Hellboy getting into some real superhero stuff here with his escape from the post. I was kind of surprised at how easy he defeated. He defeats Gurescu. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Um. I think we already touched on how sort of like maybe a little bit of that, like the devil's a little like felt a little rushed or trying just rushed, not so much by the story, but rushed maybe just by the page count and what they were limiting it to. I guess like the pay. So he promises like a fight with one character and then the, the actual payoff is sort of a twist or it's like, it's like that character is actually not the main deal. And it's this other one, which and it was a sacrifice. I can understand too. being like this, like feeling like, oh, that was such a letdown after all this talk about it. But like, I can also understand him being like, I don't know, showing you the cre- the like magic behind it, the like greater magic behind Gurescu. Yes, and I think as I as you say that, I'm like, yeah, and I'm remembering. It felt like it was more of a sacrifice on his part to get her back. Hecate after she had gone through the sun. Yeah. She, we assume that she's gone. And then like, even like the birds, like the women of Thessaly are like, no, no, no. Like he gave himself up for her so she could return. And he's like, Oh boy, here yeah. we go. And that's when the iron maiden came in. 
So it was like, it was all, that's why it's like, it sort of feels like everything was super weirdly planned out by Rasputin. Yeah. Cause it was like, well, I need her, her one form isn't going to be enough. So she's got to get, she's going to get defeated. Then I'll get, get rescued to sacrifice himself. By this time I'll have Ilsa and the fucking Iron Maiden. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. It might be a little convoluted. But like Ilsa sacrificing herself, Gurescu sacrificing him himself. And, equals a greater power. Yeah, but they're like both being manipulated. Oh, it. totally. Totally. It's good stuff. Good issue. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And I think just pro- we just proved right now, I mean, this is why this stuff is worth the reread. Yeah. Because we can sit here and talk about it. But then I think these rereads, you really start to put more together, whether it's there or not. Because I think a good writer like Mignola or any good writers, it's not they don't spell it out all for you. Yeah, they give you enough that now allows us to like still mill about it and be like, oh my god, what? That's the fun of it is like thinking, yeah. But it's like still there. Solving. Like, I bet if we got him in the corner, he could tell us exactly what's going on. Yeah. But there's enough space there for us to give it our own it's interpretation. Cool. He or, gives the reader the benefit of the doubt a lot. A hundred percent. Yeah. I agree. And then he says, I am with Jason on the powers coming from the right hand of doom. That's cool. Yeah, we talked about that a bit. I think I agree with him as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, we'll, we'll find out whether if that's touched on in the future. And it's, it's been a long time, but isn't, isn't a lot of this Hellboy breaking his horns off in the Hellboy film? I know it's in the movie at one point breaking it off, I think. Yeah. They, I, I weirdly, I don't want to touch on the movies yet. I keep pushing back until we get to them. Yeah. But I do randomly... We'll put on Hellboy or Hellboy 2 if they're on Netflix or any streaming service while I work at home. Yeah. And <laughs> they do, they do blatantly that. talk about like the way they describe his horns in the first movie is so like expositionally heavy. It's funny. It's like a Just guy like telling another guy like, look at those. Those are horns. See those? Those are horns. And he grinds them down. <laughs> Oh yeah. There's none yeah. of the real cool thing of they like show him grinding them. Yeah, there's with not like sparks really, flying off. Yeah, and we'll probably get to more of this when we get to the movies, but there is a little bit of that like how we talked about how as a reader you sort of are 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 maybe a little lost at first of what is on his head and you start to put together and then you really get you know what I mean? Like yeah. that honest to God like just reaction of like, what are those? Oh, they're horns. Of course they're horns. He's a demon. Yeah. But you don't really get that in the movie. You yeah. just get literally a guy telling you right out, those are horns. Just so you know, they are horns. <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor, right? <laughs> another guy, another like, oh, okay. the FBI agent that like, there's like a friend that brings in pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to them. <laughs> I kind of want to not will. rewatch it until, until that episode. Oh, I, I just, yeah, I usually, I don't watch it with full focus. Yeah. I want to watch that director's cut, you know, because yeah. I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure I've never seen that. Uh, but yeah, ranting about the movies that we're not going to talk <laughs> yeah. about fully for until a while. <laughs> he said, I thought the destruction of the Nazi castle at the end was a little neat and easy. Y'all are probably right in, the, in that they ran out of room. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Kate loved it. So she loved that big, big explosions. explosion. She loves them. <laughs> Good explosions. <laughs> <laughs> Good explosions. Uh, it's my review. I love it. Uh, again, the Rasputin epilogue makes him a tad sympathetic. He has a question mark on that a bit. Um, but he's still With Baba Yaga. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely it's a reference to today's um, episode where it's yeah. where our first really got our Baba Yaga a little like a little flavor of her. Um, 
but we'll definitely talk more about that. But yeah, I Raspbian's sympathetic, but I also think he's petty. He's not sympathetic in the way that I think a lot of like, for I'm going to use this as an example, and Kate, maybe you can agree or disagree. I think the villains in Marvel movies right now, they come up, like they know how to write them so they're sympathetic. Yeah. They do sometimes really well, and they do sometimes bad. Like Thanos, complete villain, or I'm not even going to use Thanos as, or Thanos, Thanos, uh, as an example, because I think he's still a superhuman. I don't think we sympathize with him. We just get where he's coming from. Whereas Killmonger from Black Panther, I think we sympathize with. Yeah, we completely sympathize with what he got handed, even though we don't. We're on we're on the opposite side. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And then I they did a poor job, and if you saw Ant Man and Wasp, I think Ghost. It's very too heavy handed and trying to make a sympathetic villain. It was like. Not all of them could be sympathetic. Yeah, like you can't. You, it just like there's a difference between like it. showing their like flawed logic and trying to make them relatable. Like yeah. they're not all going to be relatable. A hundred percent. So with Rasputin, I don't think he falls in that ending. For me, I don't sympathize with him. I just understand him. I'm like, he's a man who wanted to be more than a man. And I'm just seeing him go like, you're never going to get what you wanted. Yeah. If anything, it feels like me as an actor. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's the only parallel I can, where I'm hey like, Hey man, you God. okay? Uh, it's been a day in this house alone. Yeah, by yeah. Alone, so. <laughs> just been pacing these halls. Not really pacing. No, I mean, I think I'm good at what I do, but I think I I can sympathize with you going after something and not okay with the outcome. Yeah, like not achieving it yet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dad, you're making me want him to <laughs> achieve his goal. <laughs> I made you sympathize. <laughs> yeah. I just got you, you all decided on yeah. and That was the point of this podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh I didn't mean to be a depressing about myself. I'm ha- I'm a good guy. No, dude. I have no. a good life. Hey, you're a great guy. There's, there's just you know, you got Hilarious, ups and downs. Great actor. Yeah. Uh, I was just trying to make him. Oh man, I feel so. I just dragged a lot of my shit into this. No, that's okay. Ah, that's what podcasts are for. Yeah. Uh, great. To let it all hang out. <laughs> to let it all hang out. <laughs> great. So then it says Scott Alley is on the Mignola verse as editor from here on out. Uh, Scott Alley is like yeah, from here on out. He's the editor, official editor, uh, Mignola stuff. So that's cool. cool. Um. Great recommendations. The classic FF is a must read as in fables, vertigo, as is fables, vertigo titles from the two thousands, such as fables. Why the, why, why the last man X machina on her bolt DMZ, et cetera, are basically an instant recommendation. Um, speaking of FF, I've told you this. I started recently reading FF. Yeah. Mainly because of, we've had multiple people tell us that we should be reading them. Right. Kirby, uh, Mignola's influence by Kirby, so I was like, I want to read them. I had, I'm a huge fan, modern day fan of Fantastic Four, not the movies, the comics. Yeah, and our friends from the Screw It, um, we're just going to talk about Spider Man. Have talked about it, so I'm about 20 issues into the original uh, Fantastic Four run. It is good. I love the art. A lot of the greatest villains that we know have originated. They're really corny. Doctor Doom is super corny right now. There's a lot of fun that's had there. His dialogue is like, that's what I remember about any random issue that I would pick up of Fantastic Four. It would just be him like, just so bombastic, like so yes, insane. He is. He's insane. And he, flowery in his dialogue. Like 
You're a hundred percent right. His name's Doctor Doom. <laughs> His name is Doctor Doom. <laughs> yeah, it, I love that villain these days. But yeah, and then the way they treat Invisible Girl, which is not Invisible Woman yet, it's Invisible Girl. Yeah, is insane. Yeah, like she might kinda... as well not be a member. There's constantly her having to like go like, well, like I'm starting to see little transition by issue twenty where they're like having to be like, we need to make her do more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild how she's how they treat women in that comic book. I mean, you showed me a couple panels yeah. that were like, Sue's like, can I have a chair to sit down? It's getting a little exciting right here. Yeah. Basically like, you know, they're like, there's not, she can just turn invisible. Like she doesn't have any kind of force field. No, yet. no force field. Yet. Yeah. Just invisible. So she trips a couple of villains. It's wild. Trips though. And that's, there's, there's far worse than that. <laughs> we won't get into that. This isn't a fantastic four podcast. No, we'll start that next week. Great. Well, that was Jonathan. His last email to us that we're covering today. Awesome. Says, thanks says, man. Yeah. Thank you. He says, thanks again for the show. You're doing great. He again is Jonathan in Houston, co-host of Cast Project Protection, a Stranger Things podcast and host of Into a Larger World, a Star Wars literature podcast. Sweet. Thanks for writing in. We love them. And then our final email for this episode is from Drew Campbell. His thoughts on Wake the Devil Part 3. Sweet. Here we go. <laughs> what do you guess he addresses his ass? Oh, a crappers? <laughs> yeah, once again. Damn you, Drew. <laughs> it started out fine, and now <laughs> you've taken it too far. <laughs> Three <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, he says, I enjoyed the episode as usual. I appreciated Jason Inman's input. I'm not a huge DC fan, and I've definitely read more Batman than any other DC character, but I really liked what he had to say about Superman. I'm not against dark stuff in comics, but I agree that there needs to be some lightness, lightness too. Now, since you guys like bullet points, here's a few. Wow. <laughs> we just, Jonathan, we didn't like them. We, we want your individual voices to come through on these. <laughs> but here we go. You're more like paragraph bullet points. That's Let's fine be honest. Sure. Let's be honest, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> you crapper. You crapper, you. <laughs> he says, in response Fuck, to I Jason. I guess that's our name now. What? I know. Yeah. Oh, boy. In response to Jason's question about whether Rasputin's prophecy about Abe ever comes true, the answer is yes. Ooh, a little spoiler here. It happens early in the BPRD Plague of Frogs cycle. Actually, in the Plague of Frogs miniseries, and the speech that the priest's severed head gives him is extensively referenced in later short in later storylines dealing with Abe's origins. Ooh, excited to get to that stuff. Yeah. A little like ooh, a little like mystery because I don't like that was that was a good spoiler because it was like vague enough that I'm like oh, great I don't know yeah. what's gonna happen yeah Jason made a comment comparing the Hellboy's right hand to Scalibur and Thor's hammer and those both interesting comparisons especially considering they are both played out in the in later stories I think you said you've read all of Hellboy except for Hellboy in Hell so you don't know this yet but there mm-hmm. is this Excalibur connection. Cool. You've seen images, I know. Yeah, of I've it. seen like pictures of him holding it. Yeah, and in but the I second, don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. And then he says, in the second Hellboy novel by Christopher Golden, Bones of Giants, which I own but never read, Hellboy finds Thor's hammer and it is fused into his right hand. That's crazy. It's that a, is crazy. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That I mean, now Just I'm doubling I, up I, on yeah. your badass arm. <laughs> yeah, you have, you, that huge. Huge fucking stone right hand of doom and plus 
Thor's hammer? It's like a fucking bayonet on a rocket launcher. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy overkill. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and he says, it's a great book, so I won't spoil anything else about it, but you guys should definitely read it. Yes. Yeah, totally. Cool. He says, about the three characters watching when Hellboy falls into the pit after getting bitten by Hecate, you were right about the Baba Yaga and the king. His name is Do- um, Dagda, D-A-G-D-A. But the third figure is not Hecate. Good. Who, maybe he'll tell us who they are. It's a different character who has already been referenced by, by this point, but this is the first appearance. Hmm. The character shows up throughout the series, usually in scenes like this with her, with other mythical folklore figures watch, watching events unfold. It is not unlike much later that we find out who it is. I won't spoil it for you. Ooh, okay. I like that he was not spoiling it for you. Tantalizing Thanks. us. I'm glad you um, cleared that up because it is fun. To, like, and I like the mystery too. He doesn't have to lay it out for me. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and I He's think that's, being conscientious about. Yeah. Giving us only enough. Enough. He's very good. I appreciate it. And then that's cool that he says they show up again. Cause I mean, I, having read further than the UK and I still, there's things I forget or. Oh yeah. It's cool that he says they, they, they show up a couple of times, which is interesting. Cause that means they're like, sort of like the watchers in Marvel, which have been established in the first issues now of fantastic four already. Yeah. And they're sort of like that, but with in this mystical world of Hellboy. Yeah. They can't really, they sort of watch. Even Baba Yaga is in a position of like only being able to watch. Observing. Yeah, it's very interesting. He says, I do see in some articles online that Anung Unrama means upon his brow set in a crown of flame. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is very true. But I'm not exactly sure where that translation is revealed. But as Jason suspected, it is in a language that Mignola made up. Cool. That's great to know. It's definitely revealed at some point in the within the Yeah, comics. we've... we've yeah, in like the I, early comics, yeah, it's, it, it's talked about. We know what it is at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's like explicitly stated. Yes, because otherwise I wouldn't. I wouldn't know, know. either. I was yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I know. I forget which issue. I wish I could. I wish I had that like catalog kind of brain. But isn't I don't. that the one where you initially see? Well, I forget. I don't know. I, I, I know we saw unknown Urama first, but I don't know about the actual translation. You do You. But I feel like we have. I don't know if it. I don't know if it says like. Which means, but, 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 but it's like, somebody he's might called Anang Unrama and then he's called, and then in a paragraph, like, I distinctly remember this, but I don't remember which issue it is. In the next, like, statement, he's also called upon, like, upon his the brow f- sits a crown of Right. Of totally. Flame. I bet you're 100% right. Um, I, I'll, I'll look up which issue that is. Sure, if you want it. I'm not, yeah, that's not going to bother me because I'm like, <laughs> you know, they're all, it's all. I won't be able to sleep sh- at night. Kate, you should sleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, can't see me when my hair's all sticking up and big bug eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he says about this made up language <laughs> that, uh, Ras- that he says Mignola made up. He says it's the same language that Rasputin has used. And that that chaos or whatever he is speaking to him in the pit uses. So probably those symbols. And he says, I imagine it is kind of a mixture of or is inspired by some real, maybe ancient languages, but I'm not sure of that. Yeah. It's like some old Sumerian crazy scripts or something. For like sure. That. I don't know. And you have probably had a little fun just making his own symbols. Yeah. And he says, I have to wholeheartedly agree that Scott Alley's contributions as editor are pretty much incalculable. Not only the editing across this five-issue miniseries, but across the entire Mignola verse, line 
uh, line of comics. It is mind-blowing the way that the continuity has been preserved and enriched across 25 years in so many titles. Little off-handed yeah. statements are referenced years later. Tiny little bits of story threads are peppered throughout the comics and are allowed to be revealed slowly and build up over time, showing up in different titles. It really holds the universe together and makes it feel real and unified, especially once it gets to the point where there are a lot of different artists working on different titles. There are always little Easter eggs to find that fill out the story, which makes the comic so fun to read and reread multiple times. Yeah, it's like a little gift for people who have been dedicated enough to read all of them. Heck yeah, and I think that's the sign of an amazing editor. Good, yeah. Good on Scott Alley. Because, I mean, artist, he has a lot of stories in what he wants to do with the character, and he has a vision. But I do think people, we forget about the people that really aren't at the forefront. It's like the drummers. Most dr- like that that old cliche of like everybody knows the lead singer, no one knows who the drummer is. Yeah, but it's like the drummer sort of it's like, like the background class. of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, they keep it going. So that's yeah. Let's all remember Scott Alley. Yeah, he kept this world tight. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he says Jason kept accidentally calling the BPRD the B the RPD, which is funny the to RPD. me <laughs> because I live in Baton Ru- Baton Rouge. Louisiana and have often noted the similar similarity between the two acronyms. I can assure you though, that the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense is much more interesting than the ba- Baton Rouge, <laughs> the Police, Baton Rouge. Depart- Police Department. <laughs> That's very good, Drew. Uh, check you later guys. And then he says, PS, if you guys do make a guest appearance on Jason's podcast, make sure to let everyone know to check it out. Oh yeah, for sure. If we ever get on there, you know, you'll hear about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, well, that is all of our current emails that we are tackling. Oh, boy. And this long segment of, oh, yes. I oh mean, boy I love email. it, though. It's really cool. Like, thank you guys for writing and, like, taking the time to, like, think about this, about what we're making here. It's really cool. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We're happy that, one, you're enjoying the show, but also that we like hearing from the people that love this stuff as much as we do. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to call out that being said, I really wanted to give a shout out to one of our Instagram listeners. There's several of you that do need shout outs, but I'm going to just go out of my way because I think everybody should check this guy out. I think his, he uses wood. His, his, um, yeah, dude, you showed he does a too. lot of cool art using wood. Uh, we follow a lot of artists, which is amazing. So check out the Instagram title is Scroll Saw Scribbler. Um, Scroll Saw Scribbler on Instagram. He does art in using wood. I don't know exactly all the technique um, that's behind it, but wow, is it amazing. And he has some great Hellboy art that he's done through wood and stained it and everything. It's beautiful. And his like Venom stuff is so neat. Oh yeah, he just recently did that because the movie came out and it's really good. It's really cool looking. So definitely check him out. I just wanted to give him a shout out. He's been very nice and kind and reached out. Um, there's plenty of others that have done that too. We really think that you can definitely reach us on there as well. In addition to um, your emails. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back and jump immediately in to this a wonderful eight page story. <laughs> the Baba Yaga. Yeah. 
Hi, I'm Amanda Salvatore. And I'm Jackie Ray Bell, and we are the hosts of Guilty, Guilty Pleasure, Pleasure, the podcast that celebrates, elaborates, and experiences our odd interests. We talk with comedians, writers, and artists about their chosen guilty pleasure, like LARPing, Burning Man, Keanu Reeves, Alan Iverson, television shows, 60s and 70s rock and roll, and the list basically goes on and on and on. If you'd like to check us out, we have a new episode every single Monday. Delivered to you from Campfire Media. Find us on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. Welcome back to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast with me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah. And today we're talking about the Baba Yaga. Ooh. It's uh, written and illustrated by Mike Mignola, colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Pat Perso, edited by Scott Alley, the man, and <laughs> I don't know. I get it. He's the guy behind it all from the, here on out. Yeah, the real deal guy. And then um, uh, for publication history, it was planned as uh, early as 1994 and is mentioned in Hi, My Name's Hellboy, um, but Baba Yaga didn't appear as planned. It appeared four years later and was drawn specifically for Hellboy Volume 3, The Chained Coffin, and others, published in 1998. Um, and in that, Mike Mignola does, as he does with a lot of these other stories, like that little kind of rundown of what the deal with the story is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he like planned to put it in Monkey Man and O'Brien and then didn't, like he just took longer than expected. So he moved on to other stuff. And yeah, he was just like, had, I guess had this idea in his head. He has Hellboy mentioned that he shot Baba Yaga's eye out, but he's like, I want to draw that scene. So he yeah. went ahead and did. I love it. Yeah. I, it's like, it's like, this is the kind of like pre, the, how a prequel should work. Yeah. Like, you know how sometimes you go see, pre, everything's like a lot of big franchises right now, right now are going prequels. Yeah. There's good or bad in that, in those, but like. This is so short and it's just like a side prequel of like, oh, that's how that happened. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, I love in that little thing too, in the opening of his little description of the story, how he says at the bottom, he's all, I made up all the business about counting dead men's fingers, but believe it or not, the thing about Baba Yaga counting spoons is an actual Russian folktale. Yeah. That's so, that's just funny to think that like, you're scaring Russians in this folktale by saying that, you know, Baba Yaga's going to come. She's going to count your fucking spoons. She's going to count all your spoons. <laughs> so you better have your spoons accounted for. It's just a little tale to warn you children not to lose the goddamn spoons in this house. <laughs> just an abusive father who's obsessed just a with dad spoons. Who's like, where's the spoons? I can't eat fucking dinner because you kids are playing with the spoons. <laughs> what are you doing with my spoons? <laughs> That's it. A witch is going to come get you. <laughs> um, oh, and you know what? In this, uh, I thought it was cool. So like one of my favorite things about the Hellboy wiki is like the story chronology this story takes place in March of 1964. The troll witch occurred one year earlier and heads three years later. Yeah. So just to kind of give you a little context of like, when is this happening? Because it's kind of all over the place for Hellboy. We could be yes. seeing, you know, 
we could be seeing him back in the sixties or, you know, in the nineties or whenever. So it's good to have a little reference point for it. Totally. And when did the troll, witch? we haven't gotten to the troll, which no, yes, no, of haven't. course, yeah. but it is crazy how there is a lot that jumps around for quite, especially yeah. in this little like era, uh, before we hit the next big storyline, there's a lot of short stories that are all over the place. Yeah. But we know this one's in 1964. I mean, according to, you know what, according to the wiki also, which I didn't really pick up from the comic itself. He's there because he's stopping, unless this is mentioned in a different comic, he's in Russia to put a stop to a series of child abductions. And that's why he goes to this cemetery. And I like didn't get that from reading it. Did I just like, I, oh, I mean, I, I mean, do he think mentions that tiny little bones. Yes. And I th- also think maybe that wiki is implying it a little more than ever. Cause I do think that is part of her mythology is that she takes children. I could be wrong. I think that's right. Because I did do uh little bit of Googling you, about for it. For you, it means a deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a wall with like red string connecting shit. The Hellboy about string. Yaga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yo, wait, you know what? Never mind. I, I rescind that because he kind of does. I mean, he kind of he does implies imply it, it, but it's not like it's, I agree. It's not, it's not the same. Super it's not putting that language that the wiki is saying. Yeah. It's not like, Hey, Hellboy, they don't show like a scene where the bureau is telling him, Hey man, we got these yeah. child well, abductions they do. happening. Sometimes yeah. it's like, this is why we have to go here. But yeah, this one kind of lets you figure it out or it lets you not figure it out and read the wiki. Yeah, very similar to Head. <laughs> it's very similar to yeah, Head's where you, brain. you start already with Hellboy in the field. Yeah. There's no preamble. Yeah, I get yeah, because I guess at this point you've seen him and in his like initiations with people with like locals and like figuring stuff out. So like it, you th- are thrown into, you're already right in the very first panel. You see like Russian architecture, the moon, a uh, graveyard, and a local. <laughs> like yeah. you, you got everything that you need to know about <laughs> the beginning of the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's asking the local, like, you're sure we're going to find her here? And she's like, yep. Each year uh, on this night, the Baba Yaga comes to call it the dead sinners to count their fingers. Which mm-hmm. Mignola mentions that he made up that business about counting fingers, right? Yeah. Um, but he's doing that with every character that comes from histor- history or a folk tale. He'll add his he's, own little it's stuff. It's his Hellboy universe. He can do what he wants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah, like kind of inspired by it, but doesn't have to like, isn't like strictly adhering to yes. it. Which keeps it fresh and fun. I agree. Um, yeah, and she's like, so he's kind of just asking about it and it's like sort of like, oh, it's just... Like, you know, why does she count fingers? Why why does she do what she does? And then, like... I love this. This is sort of like a heads moment, too. Yeah. I, I only say it because I think it has this really funny humor to it where she's like, I knew a man once. Like, she's just divulging this information. Mm-hmm. He lived in a house near the woods, and each night the Baba Yaga would fly into his kitchen to count his spoons. The man would hide in a closet and bite a rag to keep from screaming. And he's like, huh? Like, almost like, why are you telling me this? Yeah, like, it's it's just like, I mean, for me, I read it so creepy. Like, this is a very, like, this is a pretty creepy opening. Like, yeah. a little lady telling you about this, like, it's a mystery. We don't know why she does it, but it's fucking horrifying. And pe- grown men are pissing their pants about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's like pretty eerie uh like i really like it and then um yeah she has like the the local is explaining you know she just has curious habits and it's not for you and i to understand um so he's like he's like 
you know, kind of forget her habits. I've heard stories about stolen children. Oh, there it is. There it is. And, uh, you know, little tiny bones, like um, implying that she's like eating them or something like, you know, which. Yeah, she t- which she does. And it's very like it's very like the the use of close up here is very like hero esque where he's yeah. like, I heard tales of bones and then close up little bones yeah little, little tiny, tiny bones. bones like children's bones yeah like it's like, like it's the closest this sounds terrible as a reference this is the closest i think in the use of these two these two panels to him pulling off glasses like csi yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whatever <laughs> they want behind david gooley or whatever his name is oh uh, yeah yeah i can't think of the red-headed actor's name but when he pulled yeah when he pulled yeah. off and say something yeah i expect that, that <laughs> that's that music to play right little tiny bones <laughs> rock and roll immediately <laughs> and then it's like yeah so he's um yeah she's kind of saying like you can't change things uh that's just the way it is you know and it's been happening forever you can't change it um come back with me and he's like i can't i can't uh and she's like all right god and angels protect you i hope so as he's like kind of starting to like trudge through this huge cemetery. Yeah. Big cemetery with like, you know, implying that it's very old. All of these headstones are leaning and worn. Um, these like pockmarked stone headstones that just like look so cool. Um, awesome. Like silhouettes of like, do, do you know Arthur Rackham? He was like this illustrator who did like fairy tales. Like, He's worth a Google, but like sometimes his, he has these really ornate trees Uh and Mignola's trees don't remind me like they're, they're just silhouettes, like just the silhouettes of them. And and like Rackham would do a lot of like silhouettes and stuff too. The trees kind of remind me of that a little bit. Like I'm sure he's not unaware of that illustrator if he's like so into folklore and stuff. I definitely want to look that up. Then. He's really cool. Uh, His name again? Um, Arthur Rackham. Arthur Rackham. Cool. Yeah, and it's a great reference point. Uh, it's he's really cool. Like you should just check him out. He's got like badass shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, just kind of like this cool, like kind of like moonlit cemetery. Um. Oh, well, here it is mentioning it specifically. A cemetery near uh, Bresnik, Russia, 1964. Yeah, right I guess there. I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have. <laughs> like, I'm like, pages. thank God for this wiki. You'd never know. <laughs> they fucking tell you on page one and three. Like, Sounds like you were in a rush two. for these eight pages. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was rushed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just so you didn't hear, we high five each other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> anywho, speaking of Russian, I here love floats this. the Baba Yaga. Uh, what is it that she floats in? Uh, like a of- mortar and pestle, like when oh, you would, you like, would grind, grind up spices okay. and stuff. So I knew it was something that wasn't just a cup. Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, essentially it is. It's like, yeah, yeah. but she's like. I guess she floats her. That's her little vehicle that she scoots yeah. around in. Which is like, because it's so obscure, it makes it even extra terrifying. Yeah, it's like, what is going <laughs> on? She's very confusing. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's a lot going on that, that, that you're just, you're just not, you're not meant to know. Yeah. And his Baba Yaga, which, which we don't, which we see a little more as we go on, has like iron legs and stuff. It's crazy. Like robotic yeah. legs almost. Well, I think like that ends up being part of like in my little searching, 
that's sort of like she'll have like iron teeth and like oh. gnarled like her that this is pretty accurate. It's not oh, like it's amazing. terribly inaccurate. Yeah. Like I guess accurate compared to like other folklore tales of of her. Oh wow. Um I love that. Like her appearance. And then yeah, so she's like floating over the graveyard come out my baby's grandma give it come on give it a you. baba yaga voice yeah oh i guess like what old and like <laughs> come out babies ew <laughs> didn't practice that grandmother I, wants to see you like something like whoa. windy and yeah dusty. i love it oh um, yeah <laughs> i love it just do a reading of all of these and then we get like you know hands bursting forth from graves She's counting the fingers as we knew she would. She counts up to a hundred and then gets to a hundred and one, which is wild. That Hellboy this entire time has just watched her count that many fingers. Yeah, I guess maybe <laughs> he's trying to figure out the mystery of like, what is she doing this for? Maybe yeah. I'll figure it out. You have to assess the situation. Yeah. You don't know if those hands can grab you. Yeah, and then she's like, "Now who is special to me?" And she's like floating above. Yeah, and we have like we even and- watched. We have a little quick panel of Hellboy with his gun. Out and ready. Is yeah, kind of just happen. watching her from not too far, but from a little distance. And then she like calls forth this corpse. Um, is it you, Katyev? You served me well all your life. Will you serve me again? And like, so yeah, so she like ignites this skull, this like, the, well, this body like willingly gives it. Yeah, she to pulls her. it right off its spine. Yeah, Woo! she like pops it off the spine, like a little crack. Crick. And yeah, she like breathes fire in like a little flame into it and it ignites like that. And that's another thing that was like, I guess in, in folklore, she has like her chicken leg house, right? Yeah. Is surrounded by this like fence of spines and uh, like a forest of like spines and skull lanterns like this. Ugh. Like really crazy, creepy shit. And then, yeah, that's enough. Pick a spot. Cause I'm going to plant you right here. You horrible thing. And like, <laughs> you know, he could only watch her doing her crazy Baba Yaga bullshit for so long. Yeah. Like, you know what? I've seen enough. Of I'm going to storm out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't abide by this silliness anymore. So he and hops I, out and pistol whips Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like, how dare you? And he's all like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and he like, crashes it you know he like kicks into yeah, this. Yeah, i can't believe he it looks like to me like he jumped like yeah, with he the like line on that panel to her. that it's like the subtlest action line of his yeah. like trajectory yeah and like little tiny action line of him like the impact of him on the wood here like yeah um yeah so she's like you know they're tossing insults and skulls at each other uh, insolent devil cannibal <laughs> she smashes him with it he blasts her in the head with a fucking bullet it's um, insane. An exploding skull and then a firing of the gun. Yeah, it's Wham. pretty cool, like pretty action-y right away and like um, breaks the silence. He falls down to the ground. Uh, what have you done, boy? What? And you see her like eyeball just shot out of her head. She's bleeding. Yeah. So, yeah. And just like such a cool nose there. Like I think he does. he does like cool... Like not just so he does like cool skeletons, but this is like cool anatomically of like what a rotting corpse would look like, I think. Like mm-hmm. part, you know, bones are like really protruding from her face and like yeah. um yeah, she's got these like gnarly like 
predator teeth that she's like eating <laughs> eating kids with and yeah. shit. Um, yeah, but she like then she's repeats what have you done in these cool panels where she's like blasting him with energy essentially like th- that tosses graves these like ancient heavy graves are just like being thrown aside like they're nothing. Does she transform a bit? Because it looks like through that power into the into the next page as those as those graves go flying as Hellboy tries to run away. I love that. And like in the panel that we last see her, she seems slightly transformed. She's now I mean, I she's, think she's like darkness dis- deteriorating or something. Deter- oh, okay. It's like this like dis- dis- like it's losing like this her power. negative energy. Yeah, it's like yeah, like her pat yeah, she's like it's that kind of um, celestial sort of like Kirby crackle that we've seen before. Yeah. That kind of thing that indicates to me that she's like, like they do say it later, but it, it appears that she's like kind of dis- disintegrating and like disappearing. Mm-hmm. And then the animals talking kind of explain, um, like you see like Hellboy in this like clutter of broken graves falling. And then it goes to this like panel, just black highlighting blue of this bird um, the Baba Yaga is dead, like squawking it to a frog or a the, toad. I love what? This, <laughs> this, I love this vertical panel of just like blue space, a bubble, and then a, a frog. Yeah, it's at the bottom funny. of the yeah. panel, it's so cool. <laughs> and then what? just these animals having a conversation. Like, um, I flew past the place where a chicken like house stood, and today it's gone. And then place the only offensive old skulls and a pool of blood. Um, but she cannot be dead. She is. Yeah, the cat. Well, yeah, the cat, the cat up. The cat's chiming in. Um, yeah, like her broken staff and the stain of her blood. Um, then she is dead. And then the bear chimes. The bear's got something. Which is to the say. most? I think Russia's a big bear. Like they're known for I their bears. I had the same thought. Right? I was like, I was like, how come I associate Russia with bears? bears? And it's just because, like, so like I did. I'm looking this up on the Wikipedia. So like. <laughs> The, it says the Russian bear is a widespread symbol um, for Russia used in cartoons, articles, and dramatic plays since as early as the 16th century. Um, and yeah, and it's often used by Westerners, originated in British caricatures and later used in the United States, not always in a flattering context, but on occasion it was used to imply that Russia was big, brutal, and clumsy. But then it also mentions that the like the image of the bear is embraced by Russians too because bears are like cunning and brutal and like also they used it as like a cute version for like when the Olympics were there like of course um so you yeah know, it's just like it's, Putin would call himself a bear yeah he would <laughs> and the but yeah it's like it's just used in like a lot of coat of arms and like it's just used a lot and I guess it's been used in all of these different, like I was like, how come this is so Russian to me? <laughs> like, yeah, that's great. You know? That's great research. So I guess that's what, yeah, that's why it's just imagery that's really commonly used to, to it, like in just in Russian art and things representing Russia. That's great. Yeah. But that's why this bear shows up. Yeah. Th- so the bear, the most Russian of them all lets him know, lets all the other animals know, um, She's far away, but she's not dead. Um, uh, are like are not her iron teeth and wooden legs this country's bones? Do we not eat her food and breathe her air? She is our mother and can never die so long as Russia endures. And which is so like she's like so a part of, of Russia, Russia yeah. which is very fascinating to have that in 
in the grander scale of this Hellboy verse, that be a part of it. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. For even like the animals to say it. Yeah. You know, like she's ingrained in every part of it. Um, and then, yeah. And then we see Hellboy kind of waking up in this little pool. Um, Literally beat. Yeah. Just <laughs> ass kicked. Um, and then a little bit of exposition he down at the bottom with like a cool little like night scene um, with like, I guess like a Russian Orthodox kind of church. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. With the little what, silhouette of yeah. Hellboy. And the, yeah, Hellboy just kind of standing, gathering himself, I guess. Um, that year spring did not come for the village of Bereznik. And for one year, every child born there was blind in one eye. Jesus. And old people who know things were heard to say her reach is long. And then just a fence with the fence that, uh, presumably surrounding her, ha- her chicken leg house or where it was. But without any light. With the skulls on there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no lanterns lit there. So, yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And like, what's up with Baba Yaga? Like, how come? What's the deal with it? And there's a really cool little article that like broadly has about it's called The Enduring Allure of Baba Yaga, an Ancient Swamp Witch Who Loves to Eat People. <laughs> um, by Marissa Clifford. Ooh, and it just had a, it, yeah, I'll send it over. It's like just a bunch of like little stories about Baba Yaga and like basically how I thought like the most interesting points were like Baba Yaga in the folk in Russian folklore is like a trickster, but sometimes she'll help. She'll be like benevolent sometimes, but in in like a convoluted, crazy way. And like how she sort of represents duality of femininity, femininity and um, nature. Ooh. So like both of those things. So it's like, okay, so I'll just quote her because she says it better than me. Baba Yaga or Baba's ambiguousness, according to folklorist Joanna Hubbs, is directly connected to her femininity and the femininity, fem, femininity to the natural world. As Andreas Johns, the author of a number of seminal books about the chrome, he writes... Baba Yaga is an aspect of great mother goodness goddess whose dual nature as a genetrix and cannibal witch reflects a fundamental paradox of nature. In some ways, she's an earth mother figure, and in some ways, she's closely associated with death. So she's kind of like brutal and violent, but also like this, like, like a mother figure, not just like a mother of like children, but of a nation like that, like so mm-hmm. connected to Russia. Um, That's, I mean, Mignola cool, clearly man. did his research because that oh, bear, yeah. just I off mean, that bear. Yeah, I feel like I've read a lot of more folklore just because of Hellboy. Like, it's amazing. Like I dipped more into it because I had, I had like sort of heard of her before, but not really. Like, I hadn't really looked into her before, so it was really cool to like check out and see. Like, there's there's like old creation stories and stuff about her. And like, oh wow, yeah. So like, she's she's goes really far back yeah yeah super far back for like in russian folklore that's Um, great yeah and she's like she is mysterious and she's like her like whether she helps you or tries to eat you is sort of at her whim and it's sort of like i guess like nature can be brutal but also like takes care of you and yeah it's like a circle of life sort of thing yeah so yeah i thought she was like a really neat character 
Um, but it's, it's also funny for like Hellboy to only see like, Hey, you're eating kids. Yeah. You know, like you're whatever not... about Russia, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, I used to be, I'm this grand thing. And yeah. Like, like nah, the I don't villagers care. are like, listen, she's, you know, you can't really mess with her. She does what she does. And he's like, uh, she eats kids. I'm going to go pistol whip her. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, oh, that's great. It's really cool. It's how Hellboy would deal with anything. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I love that cause I do, I, I praise Mignola once again because I think a lot of writers or creators, and I would even count myself in this, would pull like Rasputin as a villain and then just kind of leave it, right? Yeah. And kind of be like, that was a great villain to have. But I find it interesting that that spurred him to just pull in much more. Because it's like Rasputin is such a, from Russia, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people would stop there, but he's like, no, there's more. So it's like these great connections. And I don't know what, I can't remember everything that's to come, but it's like, it's interesting. He just pulls from all the old country stuff and just builds from there. Yeah. I guess that's like, he's so rich. He's so deep in all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's cool to have Rasputin gain power from this figure too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a dark interpretation of her. I think like she's providing power to this like lunatic, this like <laughs> psycho who like wants to be super powerful. Like it's, uh, I don't know. He's kind of like an agent of chaos and he's trying to bring about this like chaotic end of the world, like Ragnarok kind of a thing. Like, I guess it makes sense that he would get it from her, but it's also like, if her very nature is entwined with like, with the natural world, like what's it kind of, yeah, I guess that's it. It's like ambiguous. It's like not one thing or another. Yeah. Like, like they in there, I, yeah, it's like the whole classic thing going back to like all good villains have like their own logic. They think that they're right. They don't think they're the villain. So like, yeah, it's kind of not super black and white. Um, it's neat. It never is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's very neat. It's a cool little short. Any final thoughts or favorite panels? Dialogue. Yeah, I think I think I like Hellboy jumping on her like and her first being like scared and throwing that like the skull kind of like breaks the panel at the top there. Yeah, it does. Kind of like flying out. It's like this really nice vertical composition. Um, It's super great. And that I mean, probably tied with the. Probably tied with the first panel the very first panel of the whole story that just like encapsulates all of, you know, all of the beginning of a Hellboy story. Yeah. And one thing you're like, you know what you're in for, you know, mm-hmm. the time, you know where you're at. Yeah. The tonal, the tonally, it's just, you're already set Like up. he uses architecture and like, and just really subtle, like a little sliver of a moon to indicate night. And like, yeah, like this could be in black and white and you would still know what's going on. Um, Man, he rules. I agree. He yeah. does rule. What about you? I'm going with I'm going with that frog. I love the frog is great. I just think what? Yeah, <laughs> the frog. What is just beautiful? If I could like do a croaky frog voice, I would. That's what I. You know what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think I just think bringing those animals and that being one of the first out of three, like the first framing. It's so good. Yeah. Cause you get the, you get the bird and we, and we've sort of seen birds and we're like, but then that frog just solidifies like, Oh, animals are talking. Yeah. Oh, you guys are having a conversation. Yeah. I think it's that, that, and I think a toss up and like, 
Um, I would say my if I had to give like a second like or second favorite, it'd probably be the same one as you with the hit. I Where think he's that, jumping on Baba Yaga. Yeah, it's just so framed. Everything is in the everything is in the right place. Even the the bubbles. Yeah, the speech bubbles are perfect in that. Yeah, it flows with the fight and everything. And his, I think that's like one of my favorite. I mean, his hand look, his right hand of doom looks great every issue, but in that panel, his right hand of doom looks so perfect. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just looks drawn. It's interesting that he's not hitting her with it. He's like going for the gun. Right. Um, I think he would just want to hit that, that old witch. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's (laughs) like, I wonder what the choice is there. Like why use the gun? I guess to shoot. Well, his whole purpose of drawing this thing was to draw the scene of him shooting her eye out. So, yeah, I guess that's why he wanted to make it like really prominent. Totally. But it's cool. It's very cool. Um, and I just love the, di- the dialogue in this. I think I just, I really think I love just his response of I can. You can't change things. I can. Yeah. It's a little bit of like, that's what we love about Hellboy, but that's also what Hellboy, why he gets in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little like overconfidence. Yes. But you got to love it. It's always going to be charming and great about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a great little simple issue. It gives great, just to give us a little short tell of like how him and Bobby Yaga came across yeah. paths. I love it. It's so good. And who knows? Because uh, I can't remember, but who knows if we'll cross paths again? Because they almost did once. Yeah, I'm sure they will. She's <laughs> hanging out by that like life tree or whatever now. She like yeah, you know, she's, she's in trouble. another dimension. She's still there. Mm-hmm, yeah. And as we've as we've established, he leaves little you know Easter eggs around, and shit gets referenced later. Like this doesn't seem like a small thing that'll just go away. Like I'm sure we'll see her again. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, listeners, we'd love to hear from you um, about your thoughts about the Baba Yaga yeah. story. Um, any thoughts in, in, to add to what we've discussed? And you can email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, any suggestions to our listeners that are inspired by this story as we went through it to read, watch, or see? Anything come to mind? I guess read that broadly article or whatever, you know, you could. uh, That's great. Just it's like a quick it's like super quick read just to see like what's up with Bobby Yaga and why do people still, you know, like why was she such a big figure in Russian literature or Russian folklore and like how why are people still talking about her now and stuff? So, yeah, check that out. That's great. Yeah. What about you? I don't think I have anything that's really. I'm going to, that's really like super pertinent to this or inspired by it. Yeah. But because it's really heavy on the Russian end, um, I do think there's some cinema out there that is Russian that you should see. I'm not the most versed in it, um, even though editing did come from Russia. It's that their contribution to cinema. Oh, do you know in what, like, I don't know about that. Like It's, I don't know in detail. If you look up Battleship Potemkin, it's like the, the editing is very pretty. There's some classic scenes. Oh, I have seen it. I saw that in a film class. Yeah. You'd probably saw it. Everybody sees it in film class. But yeah. it, the early days of Russia, they're the ones that used editing. And then pretty much everything else was developed by Germany. And, the, and then there's some other branches. But that's their big contribution. Um, they did... They established that you could cut to like a guy eating soup and then cut to something else and it will, the audience will infer whatever they want based on the two images. Cool. Contrasted. I'm juxtaposed. I forgot about that movie. 
Um, yeah, so maybe Battleship Potempians. Yeah, are fun. watch that. You probably I, you can find it on YouTube. I bet you could. You can find it so many places. It's yeah. old. Hell, they should just give it away for free. <laughs> I think they have to. <laughs> and then uh, the other one is it's it's Russian. I would like to see this director. I can't think of his name right now, but there's the original Solaris. It was remade into a pretty decent movie, actually, which was starring George Clooney, directed by Steven Soderbergh, same name. Cool. But the original Solaris is really a cool sci-fi movie. It's up there in the same vein of like, don't expect another like space odyssey, but it's just sort of the same type of uh, tonally slow kind of sci-fi. It's about a guy that like goes to like research to a research facility where strange occurrences are happening cool. and it gets a little out of control. It's very, it's definitely slower. So it's for that kind of people that like that kind of pace. That's fine. I like slow sci-fi. Me too. You know, I mean, watch you go watch and... the original alien. It's, yeah, exactly. The first one is slow. It's not I'm a huge quick. fan of that movie. Yeah. So yeah, I think I can, so good. I'll hang Andre Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. Yeah. He has in a couple of other movies that I've been told to see like stalker and, um, I can't think of others, but I had, there's a, Strangely enough, this year I got to work with um, uh, a Russian film student from USC and that he was telling me a lot about his other stuff. Oh, cool. So definitely check that guy out. Yeah. Um, I can only refer Solaris because it's the only one I've seen. But yeah, those are my um, my suggestions for our listeners. Before we close out the episode, I'd like to touch on one of our favorite segments before we say goodnight. That is... Countdown to Hellboy 2019. There's nothing really new out there other than, did you, that'd be awesome. After my dramatic music. Yeah, we just. Well, not too much is happening. Did you get, did you look at all see the leak? No. Oh no. I was, I was like a day or so late to the fact that there was a leak of the footage. Oh no. Um, I'm kind of glad I didn't see it. I'd rather see it like an official. I don't need to see a boot of it. Yeah. I think. I mean, I that was wait. gonna. I, I'm surprised it didn't come sooner. Anyway, I've waited so long. Um, I, I think I saw a still from it of his face. He looks. He's different. He's. He looks a little more rock and roll. Yeah. Just gonna say that. At least getting off from that one little frame. One little frame that you of saw of a bootleg footage. But that said, um, there hasn't, I mean, everybody pretty much knows everything that everybody knows at this point. Yeah. Until the, the trailer rolls out and so forth. But a couple of things that were just cool. One is um, sci-fi.com did an interview with uh, Mike Mignola. I really just wanted to pull from the interview his quote about Hellboy 2019. Yeah. Just more reassurance and gets us excited for this movie is he says, while Del Toro did a more fan- fanciful version of Hellboy, Neil has, which is Neil Marshall, has done a darker, more horror version of Hellboy. The they both started with the source material, but then they each led in a very different in very different directions. This is the first time I've been able to say honestly that I was on set and looking at something that looked like it jumped straight out of the comic. Cool. I never had that experience on any of the other stuff. There's one scene in this movie where I was like, holy fuck, that's pretty damn close in the costumes and everything else to a specific scene in the comics. That was my new experience. That's so exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. Because like, again, we'll get to the hell other Hellboys. They are their own thing in my, in, in my set for me. Yeah. But to hear the creator be that excited and. And yeah. his response to it be like, wow, be like this is getting there. Yeah. That's pretty cool because 
even in the same interview that he does, he talks about his creation, which is like the screw head. I forget the title of it. Mm-hmm. You guys can email me again. It's a, sh- a, sh- a comic book short story he did. Um, and then they did an animated version of it. And he says in this interview, he's like, I can't watch that animated version. Because even though people that watch it say that they did it, the art is exactly like mine, the style. He's all, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's not. I can't watch it because it's still, you know what I mean? It's not quite it there. Is, it's, not th- it's not that. And I thought that very interesting and very like, the fact that he's just willing to say that because yeah. I think at sometimes we're, we can just be like, yeah, it's great, whatever, you know, but he's just willing to be yeah. like, it's good. It's just, I mean, he's put so much time into it. Like I, like I can't imagine something like that. Like that is so much your baby. Yeah. To be like, hey, you know, it's just not quite there. Like you, that's fair. <laughs> that's yeah. Fine. I think it's totally fair. Yeah, like, and he's not diminishing it. It's just yeah. for him. It's like, it's just something no, it's different. not the same. Yeah. So, and then the lastly update, there was a, article that, or like a brief interview with um the hellboy um actor sasha lane mm-hmm. who is playing alice monahan monaghan how do you say that oh gosh monahan monahan i think so Irish. and and it was like from something called pursuenews.com but i think it was just a quick update to her character and she was very happy to hear and to tell tell us that it, it it's not a Lethbridge interest at all. Cool. Which I think is very good. Because yeah. I think even though we do see a little bit, and I'm fine if Hellboy has love interests. Is this shit going to pass the Bechtel test? That'd be great if it did, right? <laughs> It'd be great if it did. Um, <laughs> Didn't even occur to me before. Yeah, right. It could. Um, we'll but see. <laughs> I think that's great that, I mean, that's going to come up again too also in the other Hellboy movies, the whole like love story stuff. Yeah. But we'll we'll get there. But it's interesting there. She sounds like she's just happy that this character has her own has some depth beyond yeah has her own legs you can point of view strong character that's exciting these two things get me really even more excited for the movie totally so we'll see on april 12th yeah dude i can't that's so close man it is so close we're gonna be through the holidays so quick and then it's gonna be here it's gonna be april 12th when this podcast comes out (laughs) oh god then we'll get to all your emails from september (laughs) yeah we'll just we just shut off now yeah (laughs) that's not happening no 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 um but that's it um listeners thank you again please go on to apple Podcasts, rate and review us it'll bring more listeners to the pod we really appreciate that and you can also follow us on instagram at ah crap a hellboy podcast twitter ah crap hellboy hope to hear from you real quick before we another thing before we sign off do not want to forget our good friend of the podcast, Alex. Yeah. He was lucky enough to get into the New York Comic Con Hellboy panel. Um, he actually contributed to on Mignolaverse.com, Hooves on the Ground. You can read an article where he contributed to that about his experience there. But he was willing to, just for our sake, he sent us here at Aw Crap Hellboy Podcast uh, a little special treat. I'm going to include it um, at the very end of this, right before. I'm going to play it for you guys. We've heard it. Yeah. It's a little uh, David Harbor saying something very special. So we're going to close out with that. But thank you again for listening. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's I comfortable for anybody. I'm in love with you all. <laughs>
M-Z-E-M-T-V, Refinery29. What do all these companies have in common? They bring you celebrity news and they didn't hire me. You know I had to do it to them. That's what I bring to you, Extra Extra, on Campfire Media Podcasting Network. Extra Extra is a hot buffet of all the delicious celebrity news and gossip you want and need. According to me, because my opinion is the only one that matters, obviously, tune in every Tuesday as my guests and I share our unwanted and unfiltered opinions on all your favorite celebs. No celeb is safe. I'm looking at you, Mila Kunis. Listen now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Campfire.